0: Last Word is committed to raising $10,000 for C7 Gateway Scholarship Fund. And since January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, we are asking you to help us reach that goal together as a community of people against human trafficking. Go to Last Word by SL.com and click on the Donate button to help us reach this goal. Last Word is a lifestyle brand focused on all things anti-human trafficking. According to the International Labor Organization, over 260 million children are forced into employment around the world, making textiles and garments for the demands of fashion trends we see all on social media. This will often come at the price of a child being forced into labor trafficking. Our ambition at last word is to reduce the exposure of those who are trafficked around the world, starting with the garment industry. Last Word offers consumers a refreshed look at recycled, repurposed, and reloved fashion trends. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that fashion has a way of circling back around, and not always in the best way. Last Word takes all those unwanted and undesired garments, giving them a little TLC or repurpose to create a divine collection you will feel confident, amazing, and inspired in when wearing. Follow Last Word on Instagram at lastword underscore by SL, and... And visit us online at LastWordBySL.com to get your latest fashion trends everyone
1: will be sure to ask you about. Human trafficking true crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233733. A 2016 study by the National Institute of Justice found that four in five indigenous women, that's over 80%, have experienced violence in their lifetime. Over 50% have experienced some type of sexual violence. According to the Center for Disease and Control and Prevention, the murder rate for Native women living on reservations is 10 times higher than the national average and is the third leading cause of death for Native Indigenous women in the United States. Like most women, this type of violence often comes at the hands of a person known to the victim. Indigenous women are extremely vulnerable just by being who they are and are no strangers to becoming victims of human trafficking. One native girl out of New Mexico who was plagued with generational trauma and disadvantages from birth fell victim to human trafficking at an age where many of us are closing that door on our childhood and entering into a young adolescent life. Why are so many women from indigenous tribes going missing, being murdered, and falling victim to human trafficking? Tonight, we explore the case of this young girl from a Navajo tribe who was victimized repeatedly, interacted with multiple law enforcement agencies, medical and healthcare professionals, or mandated reporters throughout several years of exploitation, and not once was ever identified as a person who was the victim of human trafficking. Tonight, we give Eva the last word.
0: Hello, Megan. Hi, Shannon.
1: We're back. <laughs> We're the, back. Another one.
0: Episode one of season two down and many more to go.
1: Right. This is episode two. Right? Yes. This yeah. is episode
0: two. Okay. <laughs> like, wait, I thought
1: you said one. I don't have a crazy news story, but I did catch up on some of the Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like. I mean, honestly, I think I'm, like, weeks behind, so this information probably <laughs> is so outdated and, and old, but I didn't know that, like, his phone was actually turned off during mm-hmm. the time of the crime, and then they were talking about um, – I was listening to True Crime Garage off the record, and they were talking about it, and they were saying that the one of the victims – or one of the girls in – Someone in the house, I think the girl, saw the guy. And everyone, I guess, was questioning why it took her so long to call the police. Oh, I I didn't see all that. So, yeah. Apparently, she saw him at some point in the night. And then they also have, like, cell phone data of someone being on the tickety-talks at a certain time. And so they've narrowed it down to when the murders happened. But this witness in the house apparently was awake, heard something, saw him... And everyone was questioning it. And I started thinking, like, I think everyone needs to just calm down. Because if she did see that, I can 100% understand why she would not have called the cops right away. She probably went back in her room and was scared out of her freaking ever-loving mind. Either
0: that And maybe she didn't have
1: her phone on her. It was also... Weren't
0: they having a house party that night? So...
1: Mm. That I don't know. A bunch it's of rando fun. people. I don't really know everything, but I just
0: have one thing to say. Okay.
1: Do we think the dad knew the the supposed killer's dad? Mm-hmm. I I I have some questions about yeah. what his movements may or may yeah. not have been in the days leading up to mm-hmm. when he got to Idaho. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just interesting. I don't know. But- that's like I would my like one to think that if your child came to you with that, you're going to be responsible and do the right thing because otherwise you're going to be an accessory after the fact. But maybe the son called him and was like, I've got a problem. Can you come help me out? And being a father, you drop everything. You don't really up. ask questions until yeah. you're involved. I, I don't you're know. are going to
0: go on a cross
1: country trip. <laughs> it's all gonna come out it's all gonna come out in, in due time in due time so tonight's case though has nothing to do with idaho nope. we're going to new mexico and the position of indigenous people and their tribes as both sovereign and dependent entities creates a problematic jurisdictional nightmare which just fuels this continuous nightmare for the native people that has literally plagued mm-hmm. them for centuries writing this i remembered we have talked about some natives like why generational trauma and stuff yeah. and I, I think we might get into some of that when we break this episode down okay so the united states of america has created barriers for the native tribes where any type of efficiency Any type of effective, excuse me, any type of effective criminal justice response to indigenous victims of violence is almost non-existent. We have several federal laws that limit tribal governments and their abilities to handle and prosecute violent crimes which take place on native soil. The Major Crimes Act of 1885 mandated that all violent crimes committed on tribal land be prosecuted by the federal government the Indian Civil Rights Act of 1968 mandates that tribal courts are not permitted to punish offenders with more than $5,000 in fines, one year in jail, or both. And in my opinion, one of the most heartbreaking Supreme Court case rulings in the Ophelian, I'm probably saying that wrong, but the Ophelian versus Suquamish Tribe, Suquamish Indian tribe uh, ruling where tribal sovereignty in punishing offenders does not apply to non-native or indigenous people. Now the reason I find that one devastating is because 96% of native women describe or report their attacker as non-native. Jesus. Right. And so what I mean by what that law basically means is we're basically allowing these hardened criminals that no one understand the law a way to exploit and abuse it because non-native people can go on native native soil and commit... Commit crimes and not get tried for them. Exactly. Even they can though just they swap. know
0: who it is. And
1: there are several cases that I came across in my research for this uh, episode that referenced that exact same thing happening.
0: That is ridiculous. Yeah.
1: One incident was a man that was held um, by tribal police until... Sheriff's department arrived, and his entire case—like he had brutally raped this girl—and his entire case got thrown out. Like,
0: oh my god, DNA
1: evidence, yeah, DNA evidence, everything. It was just, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. So, it's really, really sad. And Native women are two to three times more likely than women of any other race to experience violence, stalking, sexual assault. So they're already at a massive
0: disadvantage.
1: Completely. And all of this to say the rate at which Native women report their crimes is drastically lower than non-Native women. The law enforcement, jurisdictional issues, federal law rights, and even the lack of ability to hold any of those people accountable for their crimes, it literally just perpetuates this cycle of generational abuse. Right, and that as I'm researching some stats for this, you know and around indigenous people and and the vulnerabilities that they're already faced it just kind of i'm not saying that it this is the the reason but it just i think only adds yeah it's a contributing factor to the problem
0: right there's no help it's just a continuous cycle nothing will ever change
1: i mean hopefully there's yeah it's something has to change so Moving right along, though, to tonight's case, Eva is the girl we are going to be speaking about tonight, and Eva grew up on the Zuni and Navajo reservation of western New Mexico with her mother, Leah, and her younger sister, Haley. Leah worked several jobs at a time to support the girls while they were growing up. Even while working multiple jobs, this family still lived in poverty, and Leah was determined to try to provide the ends meet basically for the girls and to give them a life, a somewhat... Right, somewhat normal, normal childhood. And she did just that in the early years of their childhood. It was filled with family and adventures, cousins, you know, adventures with your cousins. And there were several articles that stated Eva was a vivacious, fun and engaging child and the one who led the activities and games between... All of her, her cousins. So Leah would put, Leah is Eva's mother. Leah would put both of her daughters in beauty pageants when they were younger. They were traveling all over the state to compete. The family took, you know, several vacations to the Redwood National Forest or the white sand mountain things. I think it's the sand dunes. But Eva had on the surface a childhood that appeared to be normal and functioning Right. But was not. Behind closed doors. Everything was a disaster. Her mother was struggling with alcoholism, and over time, this progressive disease took its toll and would leave Eva and her sister, younger sister Haley, in some vulnerable, scary situations. Mm -hmm. By the time Eva was 11, she was... No stranger to being left in charge of her sister when her mother was either gone or too intoxicated. Eva had been taught to drive their mother's car at this point. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know, right? 11 (laughs) years old and her mother taught her how to drive a Honda Civic. But in order to do that, she had to be propped up on all these like blankets and... Pillows and stuff. the blocks underneath the feet so that she can reach the pedals. I'm wondering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> piddles. Piddle, pedal. <laughs> I don't know. I'm wondering. Like, if you just scoot up, then she would be able to hit them with her feet. At oh, that's 11, true. She, she had, like, pillows pushed- and yeah. stuff underneath. She yeah. just pushed up. Yeah. So, she's driving around when her mother is too intoxicated, propped up on these blankets. And... It's just really sad. She's forced to have to grow up at a really really young age dealing with her mother being a role model and mother figure to her younger sister and unfortunately later on it comes out that at around the same time she and her sister are having to deal with the advancements and oh god, sexual exploitation of their stepfather. Who, oh, they Jesus. they basically just kept that right to themselves and never said anything for years. Now, throughout the years, the family did have repeated calls with police, the McKinley County Sheriff's Department, the Zuni police, some tribal authorities. They'd all been called and had interacted on multiple occasions with the family. Yeah.
0: For disturbances, domestic disputes, things of those nature. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Now on Eva's 12th birthday, her grandmother purchased her an iPhone thinking it would be a tool for her to be able to keep in touch with her granddaughter to know when her daughter is not at home. The girls are left alone. If something happens and they need, they need an adult. So she buys her this iPhone and.
0: I would have gone with a,
1: you know, that ladybug phone.
0: Where it was like mm. you can either call home or 911.
1: Yeah, I don't remember what they were. I don't think they were originally called up. I do know exactly <laughs> no, what you're talking yeah. about. Like the We could have gone a little simpler than an iPhone, but a you know, basic phone. I'm not shaming, but a basic phone. Yeah. A very basic phone. I'm sorry, phone. but even yeah. even right now. Like yeah. I don't I personally do not have children. But I will I am sit here and say, <laughs> what in the hell is your eleven? 12 or younger Mm -hmm. you're six seven eight nine ten whatever i think when you get to high school sure i can validate a phone but at anything younger than that where the hell is your kid that you don't know that they need a phone but i also understand that times are different but get them the flippy phone that you can only call three people doesn't have access to
0: the internet you can't get social media on it because what when was this 2011
1: no this was t- like uh, this all started i mean her story really really starts in 2014 okay 2015, so time 2015 so- time 2015.
0: social media
1: oh yeah, yeah totally okay but you're 13 you're 12 you're 12 she got this this iphone for her 12th birthday i just don't personally think that a 12 year old should have not endless amounts iPhone. endless amounts of access to anything in the world like i'm fine with people giving their kids phones parental but
0: guidance yeah
1: there needs to yeah whatever we could go off i'm not a parent it's not my <laughs> my job to tell people what to do but
0: okay so she got a phone for her 12th birthday yeah. to keep in contact with her grandmother
1: and her grandmother tells the guardian in an article that buying that phone was the worst thing she ever did. Oh no, yeah, I now know. I feel bad. Oh, I know. Well, oh man. <laughs> she wouldn't have known. She yeah, had no idea true. that that was going to happen. And again, I'm not saying don't buy your kids a phone. I'm just I I grew up like super poor and you want something, go get a lemonade stand and work your ass off to get it. Like nobody's going to hand it to you. I didn't get a cell phone until I bought it myself. Now, I also I mean, we're talking this was 2003, mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah, yeah. a while ago. So I understand with today's world, like why you would. If you are going to buy your kid an iPhone, all I'm saying is put some parentals, understand what they have access to, and yeah. remember, and you're the parent. You don't let them, you should be able to see everything that they're doing. It's moving on. but at this point, Eva is in seventh grade, and she's acting out herself. Oof, seventh grade. I'm sitting here like, Yikes. Seventh grade was, seventh and eighth grade were the absolute worst years of my life. Teenage angst. Yeah. So <laughs> at this point, she's in seventh grade. She's been caught smoking. She has been caught skipping school. She has been caught drinking and doing drugs. And then she gets in a fight at school and gets expelled. And at that oh. point decides, mm, I'm not going to return. Moving right along, right? So she decides... That's a natural progression of things when you're 13. For us, but when you look at her and your mother's working multiple jobs, there's no real... And I'm not trying to discredit her mother or Eva or any of these people, but there's a level of freedom that she has Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily something most of us grew up with like a
0: good it's not a good freedom it's freedom but it's not a good freedom
1: and she doesn't really have any accountability for her actions right like if her mother is on drugs or not drugs excuse me if her mother is drinking she also just doesn't
0: have a good uh, role model to look up to To kind of tell her like, hey, if you really want to get out of the situation, maybe you should stay in school.
1: I don't know that I would say, yeah, role model, sure, we can all use those. But I'm looking at this as where is the school? yeah her mother has some issues and i'll let you know you've got that we obviously don't know the full story but Mm -hmm. i'm putting a lot of blame on the school district yeah where in the hell was the school district where is the guidance counselor where are the teachers not realizing that a seventh grader who is 12 years old and isn't showing up to school and then gets in a fight and doesn't come back like was there any follow-up Did we determine if she went into an alternative school? No. These are all things that we now know that this was failed. She was failed time and time and Mm -hmm. time and time again. Yes. This case, this effing case and the way...
0: Everything was handled.
1: Eva was dropped. The ball was dropped on Eva in this case reminds me so much of relisha rudd okay i don't know if you were on that one i don't believe you were but sorry (laughs) but that case she was failed time and time again by mandated reporters by people that should have been that their job was to protect her and to take care of her so this case reminds me a lot of 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 the Relisha Rudd case, which was one of our very first episodes. Mm So i go back and listen, but at your own risk. (laughs) We will have to redo that one, but. Okay, so we are now in the timeline of December of 2015. She has her iPhone at this point, and she is 13 years old. And she receives a Facebook message from a... Man that she perceives to be attractive appears to be a little bit older and he goes by the name d Mm -hmm. and i'm going d for douchebag okay and some other d words but he looked a few years older than her but she kind of just chalked this up to anyone who has lived on or near a reservation knows that Pretty much everyone is related to everyone. Everyone is connected. Mm-hmm. Third degree of separation. Somehow, some way, you are related, connected. Well, she grew up on a reservation of only two thousand people, so she, she would know everybody. Yes, theoretically. Theoretically, so she just kind of chalks it up to, yeah, I just must not. He must have been a little bit older than me, and I don't remember him per se. Okay, but so she's kind of like gives him the benefit of the doubt. And naively, like, takes him at his word. She just assumes she doesn't remember him. And now he has entered her life through a single Facebook message that simply said, I think I remember you from middle school. Oh, no. So she doesn't necessarily recognize him. He's saying he recognizes her. He most likely probably knew people she knew, dropped some names that most everyone in the area knew. Oh, you're so... Ins- okay.
0: Yeah. And now the
1: conversation cool. has started and this man starts grooming and manipulating her and exploiting her all through a single Facebook message. And this is why I'm saying you should have parental guidance on your kid's iPhone. Facebook. A Facebook message. It's not just Facebook, though. It could be Keep any... post private. That's all I gotta say. I think he sent her a mess. Well, yeah. I don't... Yeah. He started off by giving her compliments on her eyes, giving mm. her compliments on her hair. He was sweet, inquisitive. He fronted this outward appearance of being just this great guy, right? Yeah. That he cares I'm suave, about. I'm cool. And I care about Eva. And I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she starts to feel wanted probably for the first time in a very long time connected Mm -hmm. she's wanted she feels connected she feels that this person sees her in her little world that is filled with chaos and turmoil and dysfunction she finally has somebody that's looking at
0: her for her and not just for what she can offer somebody
1: right and she starts to feel valued So this bond between the two of them grows and she begins to feel comfortable to send him illicit photos of herself, Hmm. followed by some more intimate photos, which leads to Eva sending over time sending full on explicit images of herself to this douchebag, stoosh canoe, D. D for the douche, the douche canoe. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So then it gets to the point that she feels so comfortable that she will take her mother's car, prop up those pillows and blankets, and just take that little drive, mob on down to Dick, dick Down. No, Dick Down Dallas is what I'm Dick Down <laughs> Dallas. Oh, is my is God. is that a song? Yeah. It <laughs> just popped in my head. I'm trying to think of, like, all these D names for, like, this douchebag. She's, she's going down to D-Town. I don't like that. We can't say that. <laughs> but, yes. She, she drives to D's house where they hang out and they drink. They smoke that ganja. Mm. The ganja. Yep. Starts telling Eva. That he loves her. So oh my God. She later stated at that time when she first met him that she knew he looked older than the pictures that were on his Facebook page, but just thought that he was in high school. Okay. Now I do not so know. So he was
0: using younger photos of himself.
1: Most totally, definitely. Totally. Yeah. yeah okay. Totally. Like your fit, cat, fit, fit. Like when you're right before you enter, you leave high school and you enter college and you're like the fittest of your life, right? Oh, yeah. The it's best, best looking those, photos. Yeah, yeah. Before you gain the freshman 15 or in my case, the freshman 30. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's all gone now, <laughs> but yeah. So he's definitely sending photos that are not current
0: right so then she meets him and she just but doesn't think anything of it she
1: just yeah she's like okay who
0: actually looks like their photos on social media
1: correct nobody does nobody looks like their photos and my gosh i've never met any more. i've never met so many ceos lawyers and doctors and <laughs> entrepreneurs <laughs> in my life so thanks linkedin <laughs> yeah <laughs> Eva feels like she's escaping the problems at her home, Mm -hmm. right? Which we can all understand. Yeah. This has this man that she thinks is providing this sense of comfort and relief. He starts to change his tune. His tune starts to change over the course of several months. He starts pushing Eva for more and more photos, more and more videos. Wow. Yeah, it's
0: typical I, grooming behavior. It which is we've talked and about a lot.
1: It's to me there aren't any solid, concrete dates on Eva's case because if I hadn't already stated, the names have all been changed for mm-hmm. privacy reasons, and there's not a lot of clear, hard, hard cold dates of on this date this happened. But from what I can tell, she. In the timeline, this all takes place within like a year, right, he year ex- to two years and and I know that it is no more like it is at least two years because that is referenced in an article that I've read, but she drops out this all starts on her eleventh birthday, right, but she gets that that phone on her twelfth birthday by December she's already thirteen. And in December is when she gets this message. December 2015, she gets this message. So I just. She's only 13. Right. And I don't think what I'm trying to get at is I think that the escalation of his grooming. We can't put in our heads that it it was a year long years long process right. it could have
0: been a whirlwind in
1: her case it sounds like all of this the initial grooming to when she started being violated probably happened within a matter of months yeah so again i don't have hard concrete dates but i do have year date like dates on like specific events at y- on year like you know we know she got the phone and then she got the message in December. So, and then later on we'll get into more. But I think the grooming process was very, very, very quick. Short. And it escalates. He starts telling her basically that she needs to start providing him with photos and images and videos. He starts recording them while they're having they're having inter you know sexual inter interactions. Mm-hmm. Just- thought of bill clinton's i did not have sexual (laughs) Relations. relations with that woman um so he starts pressuring and pressuring and pressuring her to do more and more and more but then he's also sitting here telling eva that he's gonna share all these videos and all these photos on social media if she ever tells anybody Wow. To control her. Right. He is now controlling her. He did a complete 180. Completely. Once he gained that trust and it's, it, it they know. Yeah. I don't want to give criminals, I don't want to admit or say that criminals are smart, but I also don't want to contribute to the problem that these people are not stupid. No. But some criminals are really smart. And I... They just
0: use that shit for horrible 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 nefarious things that they do
1: yeah and he knows he figured out how to exploit her right away he figured out how to control her right away he figured out how to manipulate her right away and is now forcing her to provide daily um allotments right of images yeah. and videos and starts getting way more forceful with his sex acts and starts videoing the two of them even more, but then he gets violent with them. Then he starts posting all of this on advertisements for other people to come in. Yeah, and then he threatens to hurt and harm Eva's little sister if she says anything about the videos that he's put oh on the ads. God. And then before she knows it, this man has now invited all these other men to come in and rape and molest and torture Eva while he's recording it. What a nasty to put piece online of shit. I know. And he goes by the name of D. Give me a D name. Dickwad. I think we're going to do a poll. Tell us all your all the D names. Yeah. Tell us all the D names. God. When Eva did not return home that night Well, so she didn't return any calls or texts from her grandma that day. And by this point, they're kind of bouncing back and forth between aunts and uncles and grandma and moms. Like, they're all, these girls are all over the place. Mm -hmm. Their grandma's got a solid. They're trying.
0: It's like they almost have a support system and then they don't.
1: I think they do to a degree, right? But their mother still has right. probably full primary custody. So the girls go with grandma when they can. But mom wants the girls back. I mean, there's just all kinds of. When Eva does not return home that night, her grandma had been calling and texting her. And then calls the police and reports her missing. Wow, she's
0: quick with that. action. Oh, Grandma
1: does not. Grandma does, she not, does not play, play around. She returns the following morning, and she is so out of it, Eva, is so out of it that the police dispatcher tells her grandmother to take her to the Para Los Ninos Abuse Crisis Center for Children and Adolescents, and I apologize if I butchered how to say that. She went through several hours of examinations, which showed signs she had been raped. There was... Penicule bruising? Penicule? Penicule bruising? uh, Penetrative trauma. Oh my god. And all that happened was the nurse gave the grandma some brochures. They gave Eva some new clothes and a stuffed animal. And they referred her to tribal social services. Oh my god. Or yeah, god. tribal social Are services for counseling. And there was no follow-up.
0: No rape kit. No nothing like that. i don't
1: know if they did a rape kit i don't know that i don't know gave her some the, the morning after pill they probably did a lot of that i would imagine um but there was no follow-up and no Jeez one at the me. center even asked any questions questions that have been developed for healthcare professionals and mandated reporters and all these people to identify human trafficking victims. Eva wasn't asked any of these questions. So at this point in her life, she's already been... At a crisis abuse center, she was not asked questions
0: regarding what happened to her.
1: Or regarding... She Anything. wasn't asked any questions regarding if she was a victim of human trafficking. I need We need to make sure oh, okay. that we're clear okay, about okay, okay. that. We're here to talk about the fact that she, there are developed questions that have been created for people at these centers to ask, whether that's a nurse, a doctor, a dentist, I don't know, whoever, Mm -hmm. there are a certain set of questions that they have identified and developed that you asked to determine if this, this adolescent is a victim of human trafficking. Those questions were not asked. Okay. Now, Obviously they did some type of examination because it said she went through several hours of examination showed signs of rape. God, I would hope they did a rape kit. Yeah. If you are a minor, you are a minor
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you are showing signs of penetrative trauma. Yeah. And if I'm not saying it wrong, penecial bruising, which is basically a I looked it up, it's blunt it's the type of bruising you get with blunt relative or related to blunt force trauma. Mm-hmm. So, if she's showing signs of this and you're a minor, I hope they did a rape kit, but I have no idea. Okay. In the fall. they didn't
0: ask the questions.
1: They did not ask any, any questions. Any questions in regards
0: to human trafficking? Have you been trafficked? No. And, and in did the this fu- occur?
1: No. And in the fall of 2016, so almost a year later, she is still under the control of D.
0: Wow. So, she went to that place and she still went back to him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, why wouldn't she? Especially if there were no follow ups.
0: Yeah, that's true. I'm sure he probably gave her some it's, sweet words and told her that it would
1: never happen again, and or or blackmailed her. That's true. Into it. At that point, like, I need people to realize, like, these guys and girls, these traffickers, build you up to tear you down, and then you're left in this position of feeling like nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. She already was feeling like isolated and vulnerable going into meeting D. Now she had someone that shows her love, shows her attention, but he only does this on occasion or he only does this when. when. he wants something. Right. And so she is freaking 12 years old. She has no idea. You think you know, but you do not know. Mm-hmm how manipulative, how vindictive, how conniving individuals and men who do this type of predatorial behavior and bullshit right. can be. And she falls victim to it. And it's, it's sad. And yes, she goes back. And by the fall wow. of 2016, he has literally threatened to harm her, kidnap, or kill anyone that she loves and values in her life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely horrific. What's even more sad, though, is a few reports that I read showed that Eva's mom, Leah, had seen some of these photos of Eva on her cell phone, causing like saw some of these nude, illicit photos of Eva. And it the art a few articles I read said it caused some suspicion that something was going on. When her mother found out, like found these images is unknown. How much her mother knew about the situation is unknown. From the way that I can read it, she, it sounds like she found these photos and then not too long later tragically passes away herself.
0: What the fuck? Yeah. So Hold on, wait. Tragically passes away herself after yeah. she finds these photos.
1: Well, you're being way more conspiracy than me right now, because I am. I'm very conspiracy. Right. But that is actually a valid point, and honestly. I don't know. There's so much room for speculation and cause for speculation. Like if he's making these valid open-ended threats and now her mom dies. Wow. And, but here's the problem where the speculation in our case like goes wild, right? The circumstances around her mother's death is, it is unknown. All the names in this case have been changed Mm -hmm. for protection and privacy reasons. Totally valid. And I respect that. But, of course, I'm an 80s baby, and I did some... You did some digging? Some stalking, some, you know, Google search. I shouldn't say stalking. I did some Google searching and some research, and I did find a case. And in one of the resources, the articles I read, it, it named the city that her, like, mother had passed away in, and it said a tragic accident in... And so I Googled it and there was a couple. There were a couple incidences and cases around that time. But this one stuck out to me because it was a Navajo woman who was brutally murdered by her husband at a traditional Navajo ceremony. The man and his wife were working and operating their food truck on the night of this traditional Navajo native ceremony when an argument between the two broke out and the man ends up stabbing his wife repeatedly to then leave the scene, but not before oh my God. he was seen by several witnesses. The woman's attack and her murder were heard by other people that were attending this event and other food truck truck vendors, vendors yeah. that were around and one eyewitness even saw him leaving the trailer all bloodied right after she had been stabbed. Like, people heard oh this God. going on, and then he just dips out and leaves. He is ended up, like, she passes away from her injuries before I think she even made it to the hospital, unfortunately. She bled out, but before she died, she told someone, like, who you know saw the guy leave goes in says something she says that it was her husband who did who did this he leaves he's later found arrested charged and convicted again i want to reiterate i have no idea if this is her mother but it does just highlight yet another case of an indigenous woman that is victimized and, in this country, right, and and at the hands of someone that she loves and she's married to, yeah. So, I don't know if it's so Eva's theoretically mother.
0: that could have been the
1: stepfather, could have been, okay, could have been. I don't necessarily know though because there were some conflicting things, but I'm also right. like, well, it could be conflicting because maybe in this article they withheld that information. So I don't know if this is her mother. Either way, her mother dies and that just leaves her in a state of grief and shock and, and just, I I don't even have words because unfortunately I I haven't lost a parent, but I can imagine (laughs) she's had to go through some serious emotional distress.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of emotional distress you go through. Depending on what your relationship was like with them, you definitely stick on one emotion and you don't really get off of it for a very long time. Right. I know from personal experience. So. Right. Yeah. And I will say I was actually the same age as as she was when everything happened. So I can tell you that Anger is the first thing you land on, and you do not get out
1: of that for a very long time. No shit, you are the same age. I was, yeah. Thirteen. My best friend lost her dad when I was 12. I think she was 11.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, and I'll tell you, anger is one, it's stuck with me for a very long time.
1: Very long time. Well, I bet. Mm. Well, I mean, any like anything with stages of grief. I will speak from my own personal experience. I've not lost a parent, but I have lost several people very close to me. I don't just graduate from a state of grief and never go back. Like no, I yeah. may not have grief for a really long time and be working through other stages of it, and then. Any one thing can happen where I'm angry again, and I'm back at step one. And
0: all you're looking for is a lifeline. You push away all of your other family, and all you're doing is looking for a lifeline. Luckily for me, mine was different. It was therapy. Thank you for therapy.
1: Therapy is good.
0: Um, But for someone like her, I could definitely see why Eva would, I'm assuming, probably just end up more in despair with D.
1: Blackall Photography, located in the heart of Old Town, Louisville, is a five-star rated photography business with over 15 years of experience. Kelly Blackall, the owner of Blackall Photography, has a way of making anyone feel confident and comfortable in those sometimes awkward shots. She can get a wonderful photo of anyone, even those Chandler Bing clients. Kelly can capture shots that look effortless and natural while locking in beauty around. Blackall Photography will handle your class portraits, engagement photos, or even that perfect political campaign headshot. Kelly has done it all and loves to get creative with her clients. If you have been on the fence about getting those updated headshots or need family photos for the holidays, reach out to Kelly and book your session today at Blackall Photography on Instagram. That's B L A C K A L L Photography. Or you can visit at blackallphotography.com. Schedule your perfect shots today, and I promise you won't be disappointed. After her mother's death and while trying to grieve, Eva was receiving texts daily. Calls, texts, voicemails from D. Okay, so you know from firsthand experience, can you imagine in the days, I mean, honestly the hours days and weeks after that getting phone calls from your significant other demanding more photos and videos and that you get your shit together and come meet them so that you can go see clients
0: no no I couldn't imagine that I no, I didn't even want to talk to my closest friends at school at all Uh uh-uh don't don't even talk to me
1: no well that's what happened that is just
0: absolutely horrible after something like that especially something that tragic if if that article is what we
1: theoretically say happened to her mother right if that is that adds to the tragedy for sure but if it's either way it's still sad that she and we have no idea where dad is in any of this like Mm. her bio dad um grandma heidi Her grandma, I don't know if I said her name, Heidi, earlier. At this point, I don't know if she had custody of the girls before or what, but afterwards, obviously, she now has full custody of both the girls, and she starts writing in a planner every time Eva leaves. Anytime she sneaks out, she's missing, still missing, Eva returns. Grandma Heine's on top of it. I literally was just telling my best friend the other day about cases that have only been successful because the best friend or the mother or the sister or whoever knew that the victim had started a journal or... They had started a Journal of Domestic Abuse. So yeah, Grandma Heidi coming in clutch, starts planning everything out, and writing everything. She's coming in hot and heavy, full force. She calls tribal police. She calls county police. She calls the sheriff's office. Anytime Eva goes missing, she is on the phone. She is doing what she can, and they don't provide any assistance. They don't recognize that she could potentially be the victim of human trafficking. They miss all these warning signs and or adding in the jurisdictional restrictions and issues, she's calling, Grandma Heidi is calling the police so much that they start making a mockery of oh the situation. Every time she calls, they're like, oh, she's missing again? Where'd she go this time? Like, they make oh, a joke geez. of it. They make a joke of the situation, and she's calling them for help. And no one's there to help her. No. It's really, really sad. It's sad that they're just sitting here making a mockery of her. And a July 2019 study in the journal Criminology and Public Policy explored the reasons why law enforcement officers rarely recognize human trafficking victims. And they found that some say they are unaware that this is a crime Over which they have jurisdiction for. So they don't realize it's a crime that they're able to prosecute or handle. So there's jurisdictional issues. (laughs) While others don't even believe it's an issue that's prevalent in their town. So they're just ignorant. Well, that only goes to the fact that a majority of states, including New Mexico where Eva was, require zero, zero law enforcement training on human trafficking. And they are not the only state. There is no federal law or requirement Jesus. that mandates law enforcement officers or officials take any type of training on human trafficking. I feel like. So, yeah, I could see why prevalent. they would think this isn't a prevalent issue.
0: Like they need. Like you don't um, know what you don't know. But I I don't know. Have you picked up a phone recently? Like, no, that's something that you need to have training on. I think. I think normal regular citizens should have training on that as well.
1: I think you're our, if you're, I think public school, I think your public education system definitely definitely. needs to talk about it. We need to talk about this. We can talk about so
0: many other topics. I feel like human trafficking should be one of them.
1: Yeah. Heidi, grandma Heidi is a pharmacy assistant, right? And she's having to cut back her hours every time Eva goes missing. She's out here driving, Through the Zuni Pueblo and Southern Navajo like reservation area. I don't know the circumference or like how big of an area that is, but I don't believe it's like our little town that we live in.
0: The size of a small town. I would imagine that's
1: like here to like Dallas. She's she's driving. She's driving. She's putting in some hours. And by late December, so Late December of 2016, just over a month after her mother has passed away, Eva was missing again. And at this time, she left with her grandmother's silver Ford truck. And she's been gone for several weeks when the police call to inform Grandma Heidi that they located the truck. Located the truck, to which Grandma Heidi replied with, "I don't care about the truck. What about my granddaughter?" Oh which my God. you go, Grandma Heidi. Good for you. You go because who cares about it? a truck? Is replaceable. A human being is not. And why would she care about that? Well, I just want well, to let you know we located your truck. But if you, but the thing I think that's more frustrating for me about this when I read this is, they had arrested fifteen year old Eva. At the dollar store when they flagged the car. So you're calling her grandma to tell her about the car, but you're not. Oh my God. Have you not flagged that this is a missing minor? Nobody gives crap two shits about a damn car, bro. Like. The first thing they should have said was we located your granddaughter. Exactly. And also your car too. But. Yeah. She's down at the police station. Come pick her up. Your minor, minor granddaughter who has been sexually violated and exploited at the hands of a predator, has been located. This grandma drives three hours oh. to pick up Eva. She arrives around like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning to pick her up. And Eva was ordered to complete a 90-day program at the Butterfly Healing Center, which is a co-ed treatment center for Native American teens in Taos, New Mexico. And that's where okay. she starts opening up about all of her traumas.
0: Well, I hate to say it, but maybe getting arrested and mandated to this place was the best thing that ever happened
1: to her. Was the rock bottom she needed to yeah. seek the help to change yeah. her life. Because yeah, she for felt
0: sure. safe enough to open up, I would assume.
1: Yeah. That's why sometimes... You can't enable these. It's hard because they're your loved ones, but sometimes, like, yeah, this sounds like it was her rock bottom yeah. to me, at least for what we know of. The Navajo, I do want to say that the Navajo Department of Family Services, which operates in Arizona and New Mexico, says that sex trafficking is often overlooked or misidentified among child abuse, sexual abuse, and domestic violence cases.
0: Of course, yeah. I mean, that would make
1: sense. Yeah. It's, it's just the it's just, statistics it's, around this is just it's so completely devastating. Sad. I do want to read though an excerpt from the Searchlight Project, which did an article called Stolen and Erased. Um, they did a piece on Eva and was a big source that I used for the research in this case and this quotes it's a little long so bear with me but it's I think it's pretty powerful throughout those and it also gives you a little bit of the timeline for when Eva was exploited so it says throughout those two years Eva showed many of the warning signs of someone who has been trafficked she was anxious depressed depressed absent-minded, mute, and had little sense of time. She was frequently reported missing, labeled as a runaway, appeared malnourished, and was occasionally bruised. Time and time again, she was cast aside by the very authorities sworn to protect her. She was given few referrals from care few referrals for care from licensed professionals who responded to her trauma by dispensing psychotropic medication to her on numerous occasions while not asking any questions or consulting any other agencies. When she tried to take her own life, the hands-off responses persisted. Despite dozens of brushes with five different law enforcement agencies, the Zuni Tribal Police, the Gallup Police, McKinley County Sheriff's Office, the Burnello County Sheriff's and Albuquerque Police, and seven healthcare institutions located in gallup zuni black rock las cruces albuquerque and taos she was not once questioned or screened for human trafficking wow. again that came from the searchlight searchlight project article sorry like it gets me emotional like yeah wow it's so devastating
0: a total of 12 between law enforcement and medical professionals never asked her do you feel unsafe are you being trafficked nothing and that's not even counting
1: her school her school yeah it's just, it, it really like, it infuriates me and I don't understand how people like just think that that's okay, but we're just going to move right along. <laughs> Otherwise we'll sit here and I will go off on God tangents, but so I thought that was a really powerful statement when I read yeah. this. I was like, you know what? Like, I want to add that in there because I think that's very vital to understanding how these individuals end up in this generational trauma when we're not even asking them basic questions to identify them them. questions
0: you're not even asking them any even just a basic question like i just i don't understand yeah the basic questions that they should be trained very basic
1: and they should be trained on and that's what also really really set me off when researching this is like Oh shit. We aren't it there's no federal law that says that law enforcement officers have to take any type of training. So of course I like look it up. Texas does. So I think well, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that, but I'm like 98% sure Texas has to. There's a handful of states that do. So I'm like, well, kudos to Texas. Do better, New Mexico. Do better the United States. Like yeah. Do better the world. This is ridiculous. In August of 2017, Amber Crotty, I think is how you say her name, and council delegate Na- uh, Nathaniel Brown co sponsored a law designating human trafficking as a criminal offense in Navajo Nation. Good. Yes. So Brown is quoted to say our Navajo children are being picked up through social media and trafficked at truck stops or other areas across the United States. And for a long time, we didn't have a word to describe sex trafficking in our communities. This law grants tribal courts jurisdiction over Native and non-Native victims in cases that fall outside of federal jurisdiction or that federal authorities decline to pursue. The law calls for coordination among government and civil institutions to fight illegal transporting, trading, or dealing of people. Should a case arise, it would challenge the Supreme Court ruling of the affiliate Suquamish Indian tribe, which the tribes lost the authority to prosecute non-native. um, Right. And non-natives in Indian country. Now, I this law, unfortunately, was too little, too late for Eva. Right. I mean, it was passed in 2017. She had already been in the reach or at the hands of help in the reach of so many others that neglected to ask the proper questions or identify anything, you know, that she could have potentially been a victim of this crime. After she completed that 90-day program, she went on to enroll in school and started to address some of her issues. Good. Yes, but like everything those struggles are still there yes PTSD will always and forever be in your life you will never get rid of it it just becomes somewhat more manageable but the family has had to deal with moving several times the girls have had to enroll and re-enroll and leave school uh Eva would go missing once after a panic attack and she was even arrested after an altercation with her grandmother mm. where she assaulted her grandma. So, I don't know. It's really sad. At the time all of these articles were released, which was right before the COVID 19 pandemic, the articles basically around Eva's story and how it was used in part of passing of these, you know, bills and some white papers that have been written up and created after her case, it states that the girls were all living together, her grandma and her sister, and that they're working through their issues, but that they definitely, you know, have issues, but they have an extremely close bond, which, yeah, you absolutely would. You would would. after all
0: of that, most definitely. And you you need a base to go back to, even if you do make mistakes.
1: So I'm glad. Sometimes I feel like the closer your bond with your family, the harder more hardships you've been through, the more your fighting can sometimes be a little more. Oh, it can be exasperated. Oh yeah. Maybe that's just my family. I don't know. No, yeah, I can definitely. So I can relate to like some of what they're saying. I can too. Now I do want to say quickly a few more things before we wrap up this case. The searchlight project, which conducted more than 75 interviews and gathered data from 18 different agencies shared Eva's story with nine tribal police officers, four tribal officials, and two former uh, clinical aides at the Indian Health Service places that she was at, and no one was shocked or surprised at all by her story because <laughs> it is something they have all heard time and time again.
0: Oh, I just didn't do anything.
1: No, I think that her story was... Presented right, and they're like, Yeah, we are aware this is a constant issue, like, this isn't new to us. We've got to fix it, we've got to figure out how to. But it was just in- interesting how they all just were like, Not shocked, yeah, you're telling us something we yeah, already know. You're like, Okay, and the response to that is tribal agencies are understaffed, underfunded, and under trained in this type of response once someone is being victimized. Once someone who is being victimized goes from tribal to state land or to municipality or maybe comes back, it is hard to get the agencies to reach out and communicate with each other. And that comes from Darren Soland, who is a Ramaha Nav- Navajo police chief. Again, I apologize for having a public education, public school <laughs> education. I just don't want them
0: to (laughs) to just make excuses like understaffed. Okay, that's you can still train people. It's too much money. It's too much funding. I highly doubt that training is that expensive. And if it is, that's ridiculous. I feel like that should be something that should be very economically affordable, if not
1: free. I would agree. I think that I don't know everything, obviously, but from what I have gathered, I feel like this isn't necessarily that the people within any one tribe can't afford it. I think that it becomes red tape layered when you add in all the different jurisdictions Mm -hmm. and when they say funding, right? Someone has to pay their bills. Someone has to pay their rent and their salaries and this and that and all the things. That all falls back under our federal government. So right. again, that all has to do with what the hell are we doing with our our money? Why am I paying taxes for effing roads here in Dallas that have literally been under construction for 20 years? I'm done paying for construction. I'd rather not pay for that and send my money to this. Like, Yeah,
0: exactly. I feel
1: like that's what we should do with our taxes. I approve <laughs> this message and Shannon right I just there's, there's a, a lot, message from Shannon there's <laughs> just a lot when it comes to the tribal aspect of missing and murdered indigenous women and all of the things right and how we get involved with that when you factor in tribal when you factor in local law enforcement or the FBI I'm so mad I I spent hours looking I found a source that gave some data around criminal prosecution cases for the FBI and indigenous uh, human trafficking victims. And I did not save it and could not go back to it. So I cannot speak on what that number was, but I remember it being insane on the D they had a decline, a decrease in criminal prosecution cases that they had brought forth that were native women and, and, And they were most often human trafficked and sexually violated. And it's like, why are we... Why are we putting this back in the hands of the federal government, who is then turning around and being like, well, I'm going to wipe my hand. Well, can't do anything. Non-native white guy or, or non-native person. Like, right. It's just so infuriating to me. And there's so many things that I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense. I don't care where you fall on a political line. These are people's rights. And everyone has the right to be found and searched for and ask the proper questions if they are a minor on whether or not they have been human trafficked and the fact that our law enforcement and our mandated reporters and our our healthcare professionals don't have any type of training on this federally regulated absolutely pisses me off i'm going off on a tangent wow. i'm just no this case really really In, motivated yes. and infuriated and pissed me off and i get emotional about In it here. and i just and that Don't is, get it. Okay. And but this is what is wrong. This
0: is a platform for you to be able to speak your truth. It is. And this is something that needs to be brought to the attention of many more people. It does. World.
1: And this is, this is one of the main reasons why I got into human trafficking is... This crime affects everybody from every different walk of life. And if you cannot see that, if you cannot understand that, and if you cannot get behind that, you're not a person I want on this platform. You're not a person that has any type of compassion or empathy because human trafficking does not care if this Mm -hmm. person identifies as a he or a she or if this person is a Republican or a Democrat. They affect everyone. Yes, people are at a higher risk and are more proportionately disadvantaged and vulnerable to this crime but it just does not right. resonate for me why we cannot as a society as a human race as humankind as mankind whatever you want to say get behind this and make change this is bullshit and we need to make change you can take it on to our weekly spotlights because I am done Shannon when Mike I approve that shit when I approve <laughs> when I run for office I approve this message and you can vote for me Okay. I'm sorry. I I just don't I wasn't expect. That was all don't off apologize. the cuff, too. Like I just
0: do not apologize. Did, that was good. Get a little That was passion right there.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what else to say.
0: All right. I will lead us into our weekly spotlights now. Uh first we have Misty Bedoni who was 27 years old when she was last seen on July 22, 2016 in Jadito, Arizona. Misty is described as a Native American female with brown hair and brown eyes. She was approximately 5 feet 3 inches tall, weighed around 150 pounds, and had her ears pierced when she went missing. Missy was last seen wearing a black shirt and blue jeans carrying a bag of toiletries. Anyone with information is asked to call the Dilcon Police Department at 928-657-8075. Next, we have Melanie James, who was 21 years old when she was last seen on April 20, 2014 from Farmington, New Mexico. Melanie is described as a Native American female with brown hair and brown eyes. She was approximately 5 feet tall and weighed around 116 pounds when she went missing. Melanie was last seen wearing a blue bandana shirt, blue jeans, and black sneakers. Anyone with information is asked to call the Farmington Police Department at 505-599-1053. Last, we have Brandon Sandoval, who was 32 years old when he was last seen on September 3, 2017, in Copper Mine, Arizona. Brandon is described as a Native American male with brown hair and brown eyes. He was approximately 5 feet 10 inches tall and weighed around 200 pounds when he went missing. Brandon was last seen wearing a black short-sleeved shirt, blue jeans, and work boots. At the time of his disappearance, Brandon had been using and dealing methamphetamine, acting worried and nervous, telling family members drug cartels were after him. Brandon was last seen walking away from his parents' home. Anyone with information is asked to call the Tuba City Police Department at 928 283
1: 3111. All right. Thank you for that. Um, again, I apologize for my little, my little tangent, but I think it needed to be said. So mm-hmm. I agree. That is our case for tonight. So until I do, oh, before we go, I do want to say that next saturday is my R whatever charity, charity event, event. yes yeah, so if you are local and you want to come there is still time to buy tickets go to last word by sl.com you can purchase them through the event page link or you can donate for um us donate toward us to make i cannot talk donate, donate, to, donate us. to us toward the c7 uh, Human Trafficking Coalitions Gateway Scholarship Fund. We are getting so close to ten thousand dollars. I really, really want to get this number. I want to hit this goal. I want to give this check to C Seven, and I want yes. I want to see the light in someone's eyes just bright up when they see. <laughs> You're getting this. So go to lastwordbysl.com, click on the donate button and donate. If you want to buy tickets, you can buy tickets. If you want to buy tickets and don't want to come, you can do that and mm-hmm. donate that way as well. Yes. Um, if you do come, though, you will get to see and be have a sneak peek of my new line for Last Word. And I'm really excited about it. You also get to see some amazing custom pieces by Libby Hanran, So check mm-hmm. that out. Um And yeah, you're also going to be in a fashion week that yes. But by the time this airs, it will be over. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Darn it. So that's coming up the weekend before. But yes. And that's actually sold out. We have sold out tickets. (laughs) There's going to be some major news presence there. So like I said, guys, 2023 is the year for last word. I am so excited for the things that are coming. I'm just I don't. I don't know how to explain it. This is just the year. <laughs> and, and um, Yeah, I feel it in my heart and my bones and all the things. So stay tuned. Go buy tickets. Go donate and help us get that goal of $10,000. That's going to change someone's life Yes, so drastically. So again, that's Last Word by sl.com. And until next week, true crime friends, I will remain loud, bold, and out there with all I do. And you fine folks, stay vigilant, be aware, And always remember, what the world needs now is love, not hate. Yes, don't forget to like, comment, questions, anything you want to do. Bye.